Episode 37, Monica M. Bijou, CEO of Decide to Move. So my favorite mistake is, because I'm a very spiritual person, it's really not listening to that voice, that my intuition. I'm Mark Rabin. This is my favorite mistake. In this podcast, you'll hear business leaders and other really interesting people talking about their favorite mistakes. Because we all make mistakes. But what matters is learning from our mistakes instead of repeating them over and over again. So this is the place for honest reflection and conversation, personal growth and professional success. Visit our website at myfavoritemistakepodcast.com. And now on with the show. Well, hi, welcome to My Favorite Mistake. I'm Mark Raven. We're joined today by Monica M. Bijou. She is the founder and CEO of her company, Decide to Move. She's been coaching business owners, entrepreneurs, and individuals for almost 20 years. Uh, She's a veteran of the U.S. military, and she's been working with other veterans as they transition from active duty life to being business owners and entrepreneurs. She's been doing that for more than a decade, so it's very, very important work. Um, She has a Master's of Science Administration with a concentration in human resources and a Master's of Social Work degree. Monica is um, host of a podcast herself called Decide to Move, like her company, and she's co-authored three books, um, and you can learn uh, about all of that at her website, decidetomove.com. So Monica, first off, thank you for joining us today. How are you? Great. Thank you, Mark, for even having me. This is exciting. Well, I think we'll have uh, a lot of things to talk about. Thank you for your service and uh, for the important work that you do helping people transition into uh, their post-military lives. Most definitely. Yeah. Not only do I do that for people in the military, but also those that are out that are not, never been in the military, but they go from corporate to now wanting to be that have their own coaching or whatever. And I'm finding so many people struggle and they get when you're feeling uncertain about, oh my gosh, I'm successful over here. Why can't I seem to do it over here? So then you search for all these different quick schemes or tactics to do and I, I want to help them by taking away all the fluff, no trial and error. Let's get you to where you know that you deserve to be. So that's what I enjoy doing. Yeah, well, that's great. Um, and, and that shows. I, I can tell you enjoy that. So that's great. Um, so we have a lot to talk about today. But as uh, we, we normally do here, I'll ask you, Monica, to jump right in. Um, do you have a story about what you consider to be your favorite mistake? Yes. So my favorite mistake is because I'm a very spiritual person. It's really not listening to that voice that my intuition and coming from a life of, you know, abuse and different things like that. And you learn how to not listen to yourself because people often tell you, you know, oh, Like I have a a strong intuition of like picking up on people's personality. Mm -hmm. And I remember saying all the time, well, I don't like that person. Something's not right. I don't know what's going on with the situation. And often told, you don't like anybody or you're always being judgy, you know, Mm -hmm. even though it really was me picking up truly what was going on. So as I got older and even in a business situation, when I got um, was transitioning and really starting my own business, I was at a a workshop conference and I had this strong intuition not to follow, you know, to sign up for this program. Mm -hmm. It was a mastermind, but I had a roommate that was there with me and they're like, Oh, you should do it. Oh my gosh, it's great. And we're going to learn so much. And $23,000 later, 
I like learned nothing. Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> like literally, well, actually what I did learn is what not to do and what I want to make sure doesn't happen with my clients. And so right. it was a very expensive mistake. But one of the things I'm going to say is listen to that instinct, listen to that in that small voice, that higher power, whatever you call it, to really ensure that you are true to yourself. Or if you're not even sure, take a moment and step back and don't do facts action. For me, I wish that I would have listened to that because I would have saved myself quite a bit of money. Mm. Um, I can actually say going forward now, I am surrounded by, with some really great coaches where I'm growing it was a pretty expensive uh, lesson learned and mistake mm-hmm. <laughs> to wow. have. Wow. So um, I was wondering if you could elaborate um, a, a little bit around um, learning. You, you, you kind of made reference to um, learning inadvertently, I guess, to not trust your in- intuition. How much more would you be willing to share about what what led to doubting that intuition um after most definitely something. yeah most definitely i mean because you know people who've heard me on my own podcast as well as on other people's podcasts for me i have even in the books that i've written i use my the things that i've been through to talk about my relationship with my daughter the, you know uh, how to be a better leader different things like that and so i woke i was raised where i went through physical sexual and emotional abuse mm-hmm. and was put down told you're stupid you're dumb you're ugly you'll never amount to anything whenever i would feel like have this intuition this instinct that something was not right i was told that what i'm thinking and what i'm feeling is not accurate. And I've run into multiple people where they go into that, like you raised in a home where you have, you say something and it's like, oh, you don't feel like that. And especially men, Mm -hmm. men are raised in that situation where if they're crying or they're hurt, oh, suck it up. You're just, Mm -hmm. you know, that didn't hurt. And so after a while you stop listening to that piece and start judging yourself and doubting your own viewpoints and your own values because you hear that little voice mm-hmm. once again that, oh, this you're just being a baby. Oh, that's not important. What you're thinking and what you're feeling is not actually accurate. So you stop listening to that. And it and even though I am a therapist and I've done a lot of work and overcame that, it still has those moments that surfaces up where I won't listen to that piece. I'll listen to someone else and they'll say like the mastermind, mm-hmm. oh, you should join. And I'm um, and actually, that was the last time that that ever happened. Now, when I get that part, and I think it was because I was in a vulnerable place, right? You're hyped up. You're at a conference. You know, you're yeah. you're going into the business world, and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna have my own mastermind that I'm a part of. It was the first one ever, and so that little voice inside came in, like, stop being so judgmental. This is gonna be a great opportunity. You don't, you know, you're always like taking things and not, you know, like being dismissive, you know, that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of where that stemmed from is like those old beliefs surfacing up that I wasn't what I thought and what I felt was not accurate, even though I was told I was stupid and dumb. I'm like, I got straight Mm -hmm. A's and had a Mm 4.0, graduated magna cum laude. But it took still not until I became uh, a captain in the military when I actually finally said to myself, man, I'm proud of me. Like, Mm, and that's uh sad. That's like, Mm -hmm. you know, cause I joined later in life. So for me to finally say, I'm proud of myself, it took a long time to even get that. And I know Mm -hmm. a lot of listeners are probably feeling the exact same thing where they doubt who they are and uh, what they actually believe in. 
Oh, gosh. Um, that is unfortunate to be have that reinforced or conditioned um, to doubt your own worth or doubt your gut feel about mm-hmm. certain situations. That's that's probably sort of connected. If, if you feel better, is this a generalization? If you feel better about yourself, you're going to tend to feel better about what you think you're feeling? Yes. You know, and one of the biggest things that I do is I'll have, I think what helps my clients is that everything I do is based on their personality. And so uh, sometimes they'll come to me, they're all over the place. They're like, oh my gosh, I don't even know what direction. I'm like, just talk to me. Just tell me what you're thinking, That just get it out and then we'll process it from there. And I think that's super huge and important where I will do that. Now I journal, like I've done that, but like in that particular moment, that conference that I was in, I did not do the things that I normally do, the the strategy of taking a, a step back and not allowing a person to pressure me and writing out my feelings, step, you know, writing it out, getting it all out, come to, going away, coming back and then saying, okay, yep, I feel comfortable. And I didn't do that. And for me, that was a, a good mistake to make because it now is a place where even in my own business, I make sure that I have my clients go think about it and then come back. I know some people, you know, when someone is wanting to sign a contract, okay, go ahead and get your credit card, get your contract out, you know, and then we'll send you the contract later. I often tell my clients, I will send you, like my private clients, I will send you the contract, look it over, think about it. And then when you're ready, you know, to make that investment, then we'll have another conversation. Because I never want someone to feel icky, uncomfortable. It's not going to be, they're not going to be able to really be, uh, really show up. Uh, and be able to really perform and do the best that they can if they're not feeling comfortable with the decision they made. So mm-hmm. I don't want them to have that that FOMO, the fear of missing out. I want them to make a good sound decision. Mm-hmm. So when we start working together, they are ready. Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting. You know, there, there's a couple different ways um, your story could be framed. Um, they, I mean, and without being too flippant, the one way might be don't sign up for something where there's not a refund policy. <laughs> um, yes, exactly. Or don't be pressured into something in a, you know, in a high pressure, time sensitive, do it now um, sort of way. Um, and, and, and some of those reactions could be maybe not incorrectly pointing the finger at others like they did me wrong. In, exactly. In, in some way. But, but I think it's interesting. So what I was getting to is that that you framed it, you reflected and looked a little bit more inward um, about not listening to my intuition. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm curious if you could kind of talk through the thought process of finding the balance of looking and say, well, here's something somebody else has done versus here's what I have control over as an individual or what you could do differently in, in the future. What was, what was some of your thought process on that? Most definitely. I never look at what someone else, because no one can make you do anything. I mean, even if a person has a gun to your head and they're like, say something funny, like you cannot make me say something funny. If I'm not feeling it, I probably will laugh because I think it's so stupid. (laughs) But even no matter what they do, you still have a choice. And so what I have always learned to do is when I'm, I always reflect on everything, anything that I do, I come back and I reflect on it and say, how could I have done differently? Uh, Okay. 
hey, I signed up for this mastermind. There is no refund policy. Um, I'm feeling a certain kind of way about it, but what can I do to make the best of this situation? Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm constantly come from that place. And I think in as a world and society, we would do so much better instead of always coming from a place of victimization. Like I mm-hmm. could have been a victim in that situation and said, they got me and she did this and they promised me this and they didn't. And instead of me coming from that place, it's like, did I listen to my own instincts of saying, no, not right now. Like this mm-hmm. is not the program for you because of the fact of whatever the reason is. Instead, I was just like, wow, I looked at the bells and whistles, not even the bells and whistles. It was more like listening to someone else saying, you should go for it. I'm doing it. You should do it. Mm-hmm. I think that you would do really good here. And instead of my instinct was like, yeah, but this is not the person for you. I went against that. And so I have to always take ownership of my behavior and my actions because at the end of the day, no one has control of me. And that's Mm -hmm. one of the things that I teach other people is no matter what happens, what do you like the pandemic? We didn't have control of it. But what do you have control of in that situation? You have control of your attitude. You have control of how you show up. You have control of how you refocus and reframe your day. Or like if you had these goals, how do you make them where you do that pivotal shift? And -hmm. that's my business is about making pivotal shifts. So it's constantly from that frame of I can't do it, make a pivot if I'm too busy looking behind me or focusing on what happened. I mean, I love sports. So think about a basketball player where when they're pivoting, they have one foot playing it and the other one is looking for a right place to go. Either I'm they're going to dribble or they're going to pass it. Well, you can't do that if you're sitting there looking down and focusing on the fact that, oh my gosh, these people are surrounding me and they did this to me and he's pulling my jersey. They're focused on what their next step in their direction is. And yeah. so that's how I often uh, live my life from that standpoint. I, I don't know if this... Uh works at the analogy, but you're saying if you're, if you're looking down and you're thinking, like someone's going to steal the ball from you. Yes. Uh, I don't know what that translates to exactly, but I don't know. There's well, they're always going to try to steal the ball from you, but if you're focusing on the last play, that person, because, you know, they're all in your, you know, pulling your jersey and grabbing you. And if you're busy focusing on that instead of focusing on what your next direction and move is going to be, you end up getting tripped up. It's kind of taking that. Did you see what he did to me? No, coach, he was pulling my shirt so I couldn't make a play. Like, and you will see people who do that and they're, <laughs> most times it don't bode very well for them and they don't usually are not a good team player. It's the ones who's able to make a quick decision really quickly are the ones that we learn to, to love, you know, Jordan, Kobe, like there's just so many, you know, bird, they were able to always take a situation and make the best out of it. I told you I love sports. I can't help it. Yeah. Yeah. I think about, you know, if you watch, um, you know, a football game and this happens uh, in basketball or hockey, Yes. um, it's the person who retaliates who gets penalized more often than not. And, mm-hmm. and they, you know, they, this comes back to what you're talking about. You have control over your own reactions that, yeah, somebody uh, punched you in the back of the head when the ref wasn't looking. You can choose to react or you can stop and think and keep control. Maybe easier said than done. But mm-hmm. how, how do you try to coach people through situations like that? I think back to like, you know, some of the Stephen Covey teachings. Um, I saw him talk once. And one thing that really stuck with me was, I try, you know, it's to separate um, stimulus and response that Mm -hmm. as people, we 
sometimes more than others do have a, a you know control and and not just being completely reactive what 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 are your, some of your thoughts about getting better at that or coaching others to be better at that just like anything that takes practice but one of the things like like I said I let people just you know flood me with their information whether it's my coaching clients or my therapy clients and just flood me with whatever's on their mind and just freely talk and hold space for them you know I don't shut them off when they're like why did you think that or that was dumb I just let mm-hmm. them give it to me and then when we're done after they process it cuz a lot of times you just have to get it out of you once they're because especially when you're growing up you're not validated you're told that you know automatically stop before you even finish your your feelings or your thought so i let them just be able to say it all out and just hold space and validate them i can understand why you were frustrated in that particular situation now looking at the whole picture based on and i'll repeat what they said to me what things do you feel like you actually had control of in there what things could you have done and so they're coming from a free flowing place where it's not filled with judgment, it's not filled with not feeling feeling validated. It's coming from a place of thinking where they're actually now able to look at the whole picture and be able to think and, and think through it. And they end up coming up with their own, like, oh, I could have done this, I could have, you know, did this, or um, and next time I or would have done this. And I validate. It's like usually when we're in our fight, flight, or freeze, or in that moment of reaction your brain does not give you the ability to think in that moment. So let's come up with avenues where it becomes a habit to do that. When it's a habit, it's a lot easier than being reactive because when you're in your emotions, it's very hard to think and focus and come up with a good solution. So it's always like one holding space for someone and just allowing them to feel and have emotions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to respect that. Yes. Validating. Mm-hmm. It's huge. And we miss that big part of our lives is people validating us, yeah. you know, so. Um, have you watched uh, the, the this is, it's sports related, but it's been a popular show this past year. Um, Ted Lasso. Have you watched that? I haven't. This year has been a, a really trying year. So I haven't been watching very much TV because <clears throat> between my business and then dealing with medical stuff and then working like TV, I had to be very intentional. So when I get off from watching therapy, you know, doing therapy and then going into coaching and just variations, because they both require different sets of skill sets. I usually will watch something that doesn't require me to think at all. So like the mass singer or, you know, something that has singing and I don't have to think about anything that they're saying or doing. <laughs> Well, and, and and part of why I brought it up, I mean, um, it, it 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 you know, in difficult times. I mean, um, I, I think Ted Lasso is a very in, it's it's a very unique um, show in a lot of ways. It's a very positive um, show, and you know, in the, in the ten episodes of it, um, you get to about episode eight, and there's a scene. Um, not trying to give away the whole thing, or I'm certainly not going to try to recreate it. But um, there's there's a scene where. Um, Ted Lasso, who's this uh, American who's a fish out of water in England coaching what we would call soccer, not American football, which is his background. But, you know, he gives us a little speech about um, always being underestimated. And um, he's basically in the process of um, hustling the former owner of the soccer team in a game of darts in a pub. And like, if I win the game, you have to stay away from the team and your ex-wife who now owns it. But, you know, he gives us a little speech um, and he basically he gives this lesson of, um, you know, pe- people like, you know, uh, people who think they have it all figured out, judge everybody else. 
And instead of judging, ask more questions. Be curious, yes. not judgmental. And you know that 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 scene hit me in a lot of ways because that's something I've. I'm not trying to turn this into a counseling session. Oh, no, you're fine. <laughs> I find myself being judgmental, and I think there's a good reminder there um, of of asking questions. Um, kind of remind you know. So your your talk about um, re respecting how someone is feeling or reacting. Anyway, sorry. No, you're fine. No, this is perfectly fine. <laughs> no, it's not. And I'll actually, uh, that you explain what it is, I'll probably go look at it and, and put, add it in my schedule somewhere. But no, I think that's a super huge part is, and I like that about asking more questions. And one of the things that I have taught people, it's a communication tactic. It's an assertive communication. It keeps it out of that uh, feelings of, oh, you did this to me or anything else like that. And it's called FIS, fact, impact, and solution. And focusing on those three things allows you to really focus on the fact It's the action of hap what happened, the act, the impact of that act, and then a solution of how you prefer to see things happen later. And having those three little components, those three little assertive steps keeps you into from going into the you zone, the blaming, the shaming. It's fact, this is what happened. This mm -hmm. is the impact it had on me or this, you know, or whatever situation we're in. And then here's a solution or, or what do you recommend we do so that it won't happen again? But it, when a person's able to focus on a solution instead of feeling a certain kind of way insecure or inadequate, it actually breeds for a better relationship, you know, whether it's business, your clients, uh, your family, your children, it works in everything. And the people that I've taught it to, it's funny because they'll come back and they'll be like, oh my gosh, I fizzed them today. And I was just, I just start laughing and it's like they turned it into an, an action word. And I was like, okay, so tell me about it. And especially for when I'm working with couples, I'll say, how did it feel for you on the other end? It was like, it was so much better because it opened up conversation. It allowed us to have a conversation of, I, you know, I can go into that was not my intent to, you know, uh, cause you pain or have you feel a certain kind of way, you know, and let's, you know, let's look at this or here's my suggestion or solution of how we can change it or do something different. So it just totally changes the conversation piece. And so I find myself doing that's the way I communicate with people, especially when I'm feeling frustrated um, or upset. I, I take a step back and then I come back from a fact place. So this is what happened. This is the impact that it had on me. And this is what I would like to see different. And it, it just it totally changes the way that I have conversation or communication with people. Hmm. So, yeah, I think that's important to recap. So what what's what's the fact? What was the impact? What would you like to see? Yep, exactly. Yeah. And, and that sounds like a way um, I was going to ask earlier. You talked about um, reflecting this model in a way seems like a way of helping coaching someone else through a cycle of reflection. Instead of just saying, yes. go reflect. Sometimes people need something a little more prescriptive. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, because we do that. You know, I like I was uh, did a training on offer, like making an irresistible offer. And I started thinking about, you know, like the details that go in it. 
where so many people go, go make a creator irresistible offer. And, and then that way you set yourself up for success. And I'm like, well, what exactly is an irresistible <laughs> offer? It sounds beautiful. And I hear you saying yeah. it, but can you break it down a little further? And I think that's different, unique about my style is that I am a person that like to break things down where it's easy to digest and then it's easier to execute. Because if I can digest it, then I can execute instead of me sitting there like, well, I don't know what no irresistible offer is. So I'm just going to make up something. And then when I get upset that it didn't work and then they're like, well, maybe you didn't do it right. Well, maybe we didn't explain it where I I didn't understand it. I'm going to take responsibility. I didn't understand Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. So can we look at another way of teaching me? So I like to teach by seeing, hearing and doing, you know, touching our senses. And different people learn in different ways, I guess. Exactly. So I do a little bit of all of that on my whiteboard, you know, like it's a mixture, have them do the work. So that's how I've seen my clients actually become successful for my coaching clients and my therapy clients actually get better because Mm -hmm. of that. Yeah. So, um, so before we wrap up, uh, and again, our, our guest is Monica M. Bijou. Um, I want to talk a little bit more, let you talk more about um, some of that coaching that you do. And, and um, like we established earlier, part of what you do is um, coaching veterans as they transition into the civilian sector. Are there, are there some, what are the most common challenges? Um, I don't know if mistakes is uh, an appropriate way of framing any of that, but, but what are some of the challenges of coming from that environment back into um, the civilian world and, and the business world? I think the most challenging thing is that you have uh, veterans who went in at a very young age, 18 years old, and they usually when people going into the military, not everyone, but there's a big chunk that go in because they're getting escaping home, escaping the environment that they have. And the military does not raise you to be, you know, like they don't like they say they want to become your family, but it doesn't always breathe that way. They expect certain things from you. So when a person is uh, a lot of times they don't understand and know their worth because they end up becoming doers. Right. Uh, I, I move from place to place multiple times. If you're enlisted, it's like you can be at one place for seven, eight years. Sometimes you can be there as three or four. If you're an officer, two years, no more than four. So you're, you're have that constantly moving transition and you are, as rank happens, you're put in a leadership position. However, you're still required to do your job. So a lot of times when they get out, they're looking from a technical standpoint, technically, this is what I'm able to do. And they forget the fact of all the leadership skills and the training that they received from that standpoint. So when they, after spending 20 something years in service, you can walk into a managerial position and do very well Mm -hmm. because you've been doing it for the last 12 years. And that's one of the biggest things that I see that a lot of them don't have. Like I had a client um, recently uh, and he was getting ready, he's getting ready to retire. And he was like, you know, so we were talking about, okay, what's your transition? What is your, what does it look like? What does your next phase look like? And they said, well, I'm going to get out and I'm going to go for six figures. And, you know, people often say I give people looks. I don't know what those looks are, but I think I gave him a look. I was like, really? That's what you're doing? Six figures? And he, or no, it was five figures. Yeah, he was in like 60,000 or 70 or uh, something like uh, that. It was like a low number. Enough. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. six figures. It was like, yeah, like 50, 60,000. And I'm like, <laughs> and I was like, seriously? So let's talk about it. Let me ask you, you know, so I, I use my whiteboard and I wrote down a list of all that. I just had them start listing all their skill sets and mm-hmm. the things that they do. And then I, you know, set back and I said, just look at that. Just look at that list right now. 
and just look at it and tell me what you tell me what you see. And I said, what would you say if you had a you were a boss, a CEO of a big company and you had to hire somebody that came with all those, not only the technical skills, but those soft skills, mm -hmm. what would you be think, think that they were worth? And it was like, man, with all that, I think about six figures, like, you know, 150 a minimum. And I was like, really? Because that person is you, <laughs> you know, and it's like it's a simple of reflecting because we often think lower of ourselves than what we're worth. So that's, you know, not say the big mistake, but the biggest mm -hmm. thing that I see has been the hang up of really understanding their worth, that they're coming from mm -hmm. a skill set that a lot of people don't actually have when they come out. So that's, and being able to work under hard situations, mm -hmm. being very disciplined, just a whole bunch of stuff. So yeah. that's one of the things that I've seen. Yeah. Well, and it's good that you're able to help um, people from all walks of life deal with their professional challenges or career transition challenges or personal, mm -hmm. uh, personal yes. challenges. Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. Um, so Monica's website is um, www.decide2move.com. So it's just spelled out T-O move.com. Uh, maybe one last question. Um, what, what's the origin of the name Decide to Move? Yes. So I'm, oh, for, so decide to move. I thought you were going to ask me about my name itself. Uh, so decide to move really came about each letter is an acronym. That's why it's in capital letters. I end up helping this a company one time without me even understanding what I was doing. I like not saying understand what I was doing. I didn't have the name in place, but mm -hmm. I was volunteering, helping this computer guy. And it was coming from a very natural instinct of organization, helping him with his time management, helping him with, you know, just showing up, making good decisions, just a commitment, how he dressed the whole bit. And I was just, a, you know, went into his shop and I was volunteering. I was just like, you're making like two, three hundred dollars a week and you could be making so much more. But look at how your shop look. Look how you're showing up. Like I just started doing what came naturally to me. And so I started helping him with all these little tweaks and turns. He went from making like hundreds of dollars a week to six figures in six months. Mm -hmm. And so then I was, I was actually in school doing my human resource degree. And we end up having to write a paper um, where they're like, you're a change agent. You go into this business, you, you know, help them make some adjustments. What do you do? You know, do a presentation on it. And like I said, I'm helping this guy for, and doing things that came very naturally to me. And I was like, I don't know what I did. Did I do anything? I mean, I know he's making money, but what are those things? And so I do what I do all the time. And I prayed. I was like, Lord, my presentation is tomorrow. <laughs> and I have absolutely nothing written down. Because <laughs> seriously, I'm a last minute girl when it comes to papers because I get an A on them. That's what they, it's from school. They see how they can mess you up. I get an A because I'll do it the day before it's due. And so I'm focused on the real meat and not the fluff when I wait to the last minute. Writing papers only, not other stuff. And so uh, I just prayed about it. It's like, okay, it's two o'clock in the morning. I have nothing there. I have my little notebook on my bed. And all of a sudden these words started popping in my head and I just took my notebook and started writing them down and then went to sleep, woke up the next morning. It's like, okay, let me take this. I don't even remember what I wrote. Take my notebook, my laptop, and just write this stuff out and create this presentation. And when I finished, it's spelled decide to move. Each letter oh. is an acronym that deals with yeah. transition, transformation, growth, development. And so that's when Decide to Move came about. So, yeah. Wow. Wow. So it's, um, it's really taking people through this journey. 
Yeah. Well, it's, it's great that you get to do that, Monica. And, and, and you're, you're um, part of a, a subset of my guests who um, have a knack or you, you stumbled into it or, you know, for coming up with a, an acronym or something for a framework. I, I should spend some time. That, that's a, a, a helpful um, way of describing <laughs> what it is that you offer and, and what you do. So um, and uh, that is spelled out on uh, the website. Again, it's decide to move. Um, mm -hmm. com. Um, so uh, again, we've been joined today by Monica M. Bijou. Monica, it was a pleasure uh, to get to meet you here. And um, thank you so much for being a guest and sharing your story and some of your insights with us. Thank you so much, Mark. And I look forward to you being on mine. We'll talk about that another time. All right. I will <laughs> decide to be on. Yes. Yes. Sounds good. <laughs> thank you so much. This has been great. Thanks for listening. I hope this podcast inspires you to pause and think about your own favorite mistake and how learning from mistakes shapes you personally and professionally. If you're a leader, what can you do to create a culture where it's safe for colleagues to talk openly about mistakes in the spirit of learning? Please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Our website is myfavoritemistakepodcast.com. See you next time.